the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast as jason skaggs just said how are you welcome to episode number 218 of the nick d podcast here at the radio misfits podcast network the best podcast network on the planet thank you for tuning in thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for downloading all that great stuff please share rate and review us on every platform tell all your friends and neighbors and enemies hey you should subscribe and listen to the nick d podcast because it's fucking awesome because it is it's an entertainment pop culture podcast with reviews and all kinds of really cool, regular, and new guests. Lots of great stuff. And we thank you for checking it out. It's a very popular podcast. Another reason why you should advertise with us. You want to be a sponsor? You want to advertise on this podcast? Lots of people listen. It'll be good for you. Do it. Send us a note. Say, I would like to be a sponsor on the very popular Nick D podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Drop that note and be a sponsor. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Want to be a part of the podcast just on a regular basis? We have a uh, voicemail system that is set up exclusively for you. Anytime, anywhere, any place that you feel like leaving a voicemail message for us. I listen to every single one of them. I play many of them back uh, on the podcast. Uh, So please, anytime you have a suggestion or a comment or a question for any of our regular guests or any kind of contribution, anything you want to say, please do. 24-7. 773-417-6948. Call now. You want to email us with any comments or questions or any kind of cool stuff? NickDPodcast at gmail.com. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. So that's how you get a hold of us. Stay connected 24-7. Anytime you are on a whim, anything, 773-417-6948, NickDPodcast at gmail.com. You got a mega magic megaphone request. You want me to say something into the megaphone or record something into the megaphone? It's magic. It goes out into the ether and everybody on the planet hears it. If it's a message for somebody or a movie line or just something you want to say or a joke, Whatever. I'm a monkey. I will say it into the megaphone. You will hear it. You will enjoy it. We have one of those coming up a little bit later on, but please leave those as well. So, hey, also, you need to check out our 24-hour streaming service here at Radio Misfits. Radiomisfits.live. Bookmark it. Listen to it all the time. It's like radio, only cooler. It's free. It's 24-7. It's broadcast. It's uh, all of the episodes available on uh, Radio Misfits, and there are a ton of unbelievably cool podcasts on this, uh, on this network. They vary, they're entertaining, they're informative, they're funny, they're really cool, they're mysterious, they're scary. They uh, range in every kind of style of podcast that you can imagine, and they're always broadcast for free on our 24-hour streaming service, radiomisfits.live. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. And if you're a Saturday Night Live fan and you're not subscribing to uh, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, then there's something wrong with you. Seriously, you might want to go into the uh, mental institution and be checked out. Because it's the best SNL podcast that you'll hear. You can hear my SNL podcast daily at 9 a.m. Central on Radio Misfits.live. So there you go. 
Episode 218, it is a Friday as it drops, and a Friday, hopefully, as you listen. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming weekend. I'm very excited to welcome to the podcast someone I haven't talked to in years, Uh, someone who was one of my very first guests when I started hosting shows on that terrible radio station called WGN here in Chicago. It was once a great radio station. But in the hands of the morons that work there now, they have really turned it into a pile of shit. So anyway, that great radio station that I used to work for, which is not a great radio station anymore. It's a car wash now. It may as well be. Anyway, one of the first guests I ever had 20-something years ago, well over 20-something years ago, was a woman named Nell Minow. Nell Minow was the movie mom. A great film critic, a wonderful broadcaster, a tremendous writer, really funny, really lovely, really intelligent, and a great, great, insightful writer about movies. Well, Nell Minow was one of the very first guests I ever had. She was the movie mom, and I had her on to talk about watching movies from a mother's perspective. And we became friends, and she became a regular on my show back at uh, the car wash. And uh, I have not talked to her on this podcast. I have not talked to her in many years. It's been a long, long time when I switched to overnights regularly. Um, over at, uh, at GN, when I did that full-time, the overnight uh, shift was a little bit too late for her. Uh, so we haven't talked in years. And uh, I can't explain to you how excited I am to welcome back to the podcast the great Nell Minow. So Nell Minow will be joining me. She writes for RogerEbert.com and MotionPictures.org. Still writes about movies. We're going to talk about the state of movies. We're going to talk about her favorite movies of last year, the Oscars, awards season, and we are just, in general, going to catch up. One of my favorite guests of all time, I still refer to her as the movie mom, and that's Nell Minow. The fantastic, the incredible Nell Minow is going to join me. I haven't been excited excited to reunite with someone in in, in such a long time. So Nell Minow will join me, and then the great Esmeralda Leon, my regular cohort in crime. My partner will join me. As I mentioned, we do have a magic megaphone uh, message that we got to do. We also have uh, an email to read from you. Uh, and uh, we're going to finish up uh, celebrities that everyone, we're going to talk about celebrities that everyone hates, finish up celebrities that everybody loves, and we are going to continue our snack taste tests from Poland. We've got a few more snacks to, uh, to test. Um, these, we get these wonderful packages, these monthly, monthly packages from a place called Universal Yums, universalyums.com. They send Esmeralda and I, thanks to our listener and our friend uh, Deanna, who signed us up for this, it's a monthly box full of really cool snacks and treats from around the world. Uh, the first box that we got sent to us was from Spain, which was fantastic, and it comes with a booklet, an activities booklet with information about all the snacks and where they're from and all kinds of trivia about the country. And you get a box full of really cool snacks that range from savory to sweet and everything in between. So we've been taking a tour of the uh, culinary snack world of Poland, and we're going to continue that snack tour of Poland. So that's all coming up now, Minnow. Um, Esmeralda Leon, Magic Megaphone, emails, snacks, celebrities that everybody hates and celebrities that everybody loves and so much more right here on the Nick D Podcast. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. And don't forget the star of Felicity and one of my favorite people in the world lives on my back porch. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Hey, I just want to mention, uh, you know, as the, as the beginning of the year always hits us, I'm always reminded... Uh, how terrible the beginning of the year is for movies. You know, as a professional film critic, as I have been for, Jesus, 37 years uh, or or more, yeah, more, um, it is consistent. I will say this. The thing about the beginning of every year in the new year, it's consistent. It's terrible. It's shitty. Movies are bad. 
Um, I've been to three since the beginning of the year. It's the beginning of February right now. And I've been to three um, press screenings. Three. And I think there have only been four or five. And I've only missed a couple because of uh, things that are happening in my personal life that are crazy right now. But I've been to three, exactly three press screenings. And this is consistent. All three of the movies were awful. Because the beginning of the year is always the dregs. They dump all the crap that they don't want to, to, to see, that they don't want you to see. Everybody is too busy concentrating on last year's movies for the awards that are coming up, the Oscars and all the other you know, uh, awards during awards season. So nobody thinks about new movies between usually January and into the beginning or the middle of March. So January and February are usually months that are filled with releases of movies that shouldn't get released. They should be flushed down the toilet. And it happens every year. And yet I'm, const- I'm, you know, I'm usually shocked at just how shitty the first few screenings that I attend are. And that's not, uh, not an exception here in 2024 because I've been to three press screenings um, this year thus far, and they're all shit. They were all terrible. Uh, there was Mean Girls, which was the awful, unnecessary, Tina Fey, I guess, wants to pad her bank account uh, musical version of the great movie Mean Girls, which was a piece of shit. Then there was Argyle, uh, which was Matthew Vaughn's awful attempt at uh, spy, uh, spy thriller slash comedy. Uh, awful, just absolutely awful. And two hours and 20 minutes. We reviewed it on uh, uh, two podcasts ago, two episodes ago. So you might want to check that out. Steve and Eric and I reviewed it. And then I just went to a screening last night of a new movie called Lisa Frankenstein, which was written by Diablo Cote, who is an Oscar winner. She won an Oscar for Juno. And she wrote some good stuff, uh, including uh, Young Adult and Tully. And I like Juno. And she's written some other things for television and stuff like that. I think uh, based upon Lisa Frankenstein, she should give her fucking Oscar back and apologize to everyone that has eyes and ears. So three press screenings, three pieces of crap, thus the beginning of every year. So anyway, just the life of the movie critic. Movies suck at the beginning of the year. Just know that going in. If you're ever going to want to be a movie critic. Don't do it, though. Seriously. And then you have to sit in a room with a lot of idiots. I'm not going to get into that. But there are a lot of idiots who call themselves movie critics who I have to sit in a room with. (laughs) It's listening to the conversation sometimes. Hilarious. Anyway, I've been doing it a long time. And we are at a, a point now. I've been doing it a long time. And that's always been a part of being a movie critic is sitting in a room with idiots. I mean, that's always, for the th- over the 37 years I've been doing this, but man, we are at, at the pinnacle of idiocy at screenings now. Man, they let anybody in. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Wow. All right, anyway, so crappy movies begin the year, but we're going to talk about some of the great stuff from last year with one of my favorite people ever and someone I miss terribly, the great Nell Minow. And I'm going to talk to Nell Minow after I tell you that you should be congratulated thoroughly. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. And I'm thrilled uh, to welcome to the podcast for the first time, but to welcome back an old friend, 
who um, I've known for many years, and I'll tell, we can tell the whole story, uh, someone who I admire very much, I think a great writer, um, you know, a really great film critic, a really good person. Uh, she is known as the movie mom, but much more than that. Um, she's just a really cool person in general, and I'm thrilled to talk to her again after many years of not talking. We'll get into that. But it's the great Nell Minow. Hi, Nell. Well, hi. I'm so happy to be talking to you again. And I remember very vividly the first time we talked because you won my heart for loving Douglas Sirk. Yes. Oh, man. Douglas Sirk. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. We, we were we were we bonded immediately over over our love for uh, the very melodramatic and the very amazing Douglas Sirk. Um, yes. So many great movies. For people who might not know some of Douglas Sirk's work, what are, you, what are some of your favorites? Oh, my gosh. You know, he, he really had this incredible sort of very melodramatic, wonderful uh, feeling to all of his movies. And people, I think, dismiss them. This is why I loved your take on him. People really dismissed him. Um, yeah as being you know soap opera-ish or as uh they used to say for the ladies yeah um but i don't know what what is your favorite well i mean i mean there's so, written on the wind um is is up there um <laughs> that is one crazy movie i love Just it. the it's... dance the dance scene alone but i do love it i love it too and i love um um you know, I mean, geez, there's some magnificent obsession is one of the one of my favorite movies. Of you all know, time. that was the first of his movies that I saw and I completely love it. And the fact that, you know, at the end, Rock Hudson really quickly goes to medical school so that he can invent an operation to cure <laughs> yeah. her blindness. You yeah. know, I just you just have to go with it. Yeah. Um, but and, I think, um, I mean, yeah, all that heaven allows, you know, all that heaven one. allows, I think, is is probably my favorite. I. Uh, Magnificent Obsession was the first of his I saw, so I have a special affection for yeah. it. But All That Heaven Allows, I think, is the one that just works in every category. Yeah. And um, it's this beautiful, beautiful romance between Jane Wyman, a widow whose children and community just want to have her sit at home and never do anything ever again, yeah. and the very handsome gardener. And the way they bring the natural world into it and... Rock Hudson, Chicago's own Rock Hudson. Yeah, yep. absolutely terrific. Worked Never with, been wor more worked gorgeous. With, worked with Cirque several times, uh, and did some yes. of his best work. Some of his best work with Cirque. Definitely, definitely. Um, but I think I think the crazy ass written on the wind it might be my favorite. Uh, it really is. It and is I, it, such it, a nutty movie. And uh, imi and, Imitation of Life yeah. is another one. Imitation of Life is another. Uh, that is definitely the greatest funeral in the history of movies. Yeah. yeah. So we bonded on Douglas Cirque, and most people, if mm -hmm. you're not familiar, German director, uh, a mm -hmm. really amazing sense of of style uh and the beautiful technicolor and the scores are always big and the performances are always big it just it it, it for some reason it's the that's the kind of like big time emotion that to, that connects to me when i see movies i don't know why yeah me but too. Now, it's funny because right before we uh we started recording we were talking about hey what are we going to talk about now you write for roger ebert.com uh, not only and you're an editor with roger ebert.com correct i am and, and uh, we're getting ready for our annual let nell run the site for a week uh in honor of uh, my double X chromosomes. Uh, we have during <laughs> Women's History Month, uh, since I'm the, uh, other than Chaz Ebert, who is of course the, yes. the head of our site. The I'm the only, Chaz. Yeah. I love Chaz, and, I uh, but I'm the only woman 
uh, editor. So I get to run things for one week in Women's History Month. We call it Women Writers Week. And, uh, you know, the inmates are running the asylum. We're going to have a lot of fun with that this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, before we get to that, because we were talking about Douglas Sirk, and, and, and before mm-hmm. we started recording, you were like, hey, we're going to do this thing called Underloved Romantic Movies at RogerEbert.com. Yes. And I think that's a great segue <laughs> from Douglas Sirk, uh, because <laughs> yeah, those are certainly underground, underloved, and sometimes <laughs> weird uh, romance, but they are aggressively and unapologetically romantic films. But before yeah. we j- dive into that, tell, tell everybody about your background. I mean, for people who, who maybe aren't familiar with you through my podcast, um, how long have you been writing about movies? How did you become the movie mom? And that was an interesting and lovely take that that I was immediately attracted to. I was like, oh, I want to talk to this woman called the movie mom because that's a completely different take that I wouldn't understand. I'm not a mom. And uh, So how did it start and when did you start writing about movies? Just give everybody the general background of Nell Minow. I grew up in Chicago. Um, my father, Newton Minow, By the way, was a- um, rest in peace. Um, Thank you. He was an amazing man, um, uh, incredible, and I and I got to interview him a couple of times. Um, but boy, and he how long how how long did he live? In? He was ninety seven. He died last year at age ninety seven. So bless aside him. from you know, he was the founder of the presidential debates for good and bad. He was involved with every single one of them, going yeah. back to yeah. Kennedy and Nixon. And he helped start PBS. He helped launch the first telecommunications satellite. He, I think everybody's favorite fact about him was that when he gave his speech (laughs) criticizing the broadcasters, Sherwood Schwartz was so insulted (laughs) that he named the sinking ship on Gilligan's Island after my father, the SS Minnow, which we just love. That's such uh, a great the way, piece of trivia. Yeah, it is. By the way, the even greater piece of trivia is that our, the Minow family cat was named after a different Bob Denver role, not Gilligan, but Maynard G. Krebs <laughs> was the name of our cat. <laughs> That's a deep cut. That is a from, deep cut. That is from a deep Dobie cut. Gillis. But yeah, New, okay. New, Newton Minow, a, a, a legend. Um, a legend. And yeah. uh, and again, uh, you know, my condolences and what. Well, what thank a, you. What, what an amazing contribution that that man made to the culture. I mean, no absolutely. Uh, and yeah. imagine growing up in that household yeah, and guess. the and the way that we paid close attention to everything that we watched. My parents were very specific about what we could and could not watch on TV, and. Um, they, I still remember my parents saying, there's this cartoon show. We don't like most cartoon shows. We don't think they're really worth your time. But there's this one called um, Rocky and Bullwinkle yeah. that we think is pretty good. <laughs> and believe it or not, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle had a joke about my dad. Uh, oh. Bullwinkle got into a fight, and he and whoever he was fighting with dove underground. He said, we can't show you this fight because of Chairman Minnow. <laughs> so that was that was a laugh for us growing That's up. That's so great. That is I so know. great. That's so, so, um, so I grew up in a very media-oriented household. My parents adored movies. I still remember my mother saying, come here, come here, come here, come here. There's this movie on TV. You're going to love it. It's called All About Eve. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, so I grew up in a family that paid very close attention to movies. My father found a letter that he wrote to my grandfather when I was four, and he said, we've just taken Nell to her first movie, and now she wants to go to the movies every day. So nothing has changed. Yeah. And I started writing reviews of movies uh, when I was a student at Nutrier High School for the Nutrier yes, News, and absolutely. then for my college paper. And uh, then did other things, went to law school, did other things for a while. And then when the internet started, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is like the Fred Flintstone days when yeah. the, nobody was on the internet. I started writing movie reviews on the internet. And five years later, when I had about 500 reviews on, on the website, uh, and, and the internet had happened, Yahoo called me up and said, do you want to be our critic? And I said, yes, not realizing you, this is a little stupid, but I didn't realize that what that meant was I would have to now start going to a lot of bad movies, yes. which I previously avoided. But I fortunately don't mind that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that was, um, so I've been doing that. Uh, I've been online since 1995 and have written a couple of books about movies. Yeah. And I still like, just, I just like going to the movies. And uh, you write for RogerEbert.com, which you're an editor as well. And you also write yes. for MotionPictures.org. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you still, uh, have the, the name, uh, the movie mom, which, which I love, by the way, what was that first movie that your dad wrote the letter about that you saw when you were four? You know, I, I, I he had the name of the movie in there and it was a Disney movie called like Westward the Women or something like that. But the first movie I remember seeing in a theater was, uh, Disney's Snow White. Wow. Isn't that strange how I think a lot of us, the first movies that we remember are Disney movies. Yeah, um, well, sure. because for the first two that I remember, um, Jungle Book might be the first yeah. one that I vividly remember. Yeah. Um, but I also remember, well, the one that had an impact on me when I was really because I start you know this about me I started seeing horror movies when I was about when I, I was know a, when I was a zygote I started seeing horror movies. <laughs> but uh, but like I remember Herbie the Love Bug was a was a yes was a one for me. Um, yes. But yeah, those Disney movies, I guess those are the ones that, you know, even if we go to movies that aren't Disney related, those for some reason really do make an impact on a young mind. And I think that's still they the case, do. right? What, what, is it, you think that's still the case? I totally, listen, I was just at Disney World last month and uh, I was astonished again by the hundreds, literally hundreds of characters uh, that they've created who are still household names. I mean, you can think of a lot of movies that have made a, a lot of money and yet don't have the kind of cultural purchase that those Disney movies do. And my husband and I, we didn't meet until high school, but we grew up in the same area. And we both, when we were both seven, when uh, Disney's Sleeping Beauty came out and we were both completely blown away by it. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I don't normally uh, mention this, but uh, we went to see a Disney <laughs> animated movie on our honeymoon because we really, we still like Disney movies. That's amazing. Now let the me ask rescuers. you this. Have oh the rescuers on your honeymoon. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. That's yeah. a good film too. The rescuers. I know. It's a, it's I a good know. movie. Um so <laughs> let me ask you this just just being indulgent because we're both we both mm-hmm. grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember some of the neighborhood theaters that you would go to when you were younger? Sure. Uh, what, are the your, what were some theater. of your favorites? Which one? The Glencoe Theater, now Glencoe. gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the one that I could walk to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was one where I had a lot of, of experiences. But then when I got older, I was a teenager, I would come into the city and go to the Escort Theater. I still yeah. remember seeing Woodstock uh, and Yellow Submarine at the, at Escort, the Escort Theater. Oh, man. And also... When my husband and I uh, took the bar exam in Chicago, they they um, send you to different locations alphabetically. So we were not in the same building, but we met halfway between uh, downtown on the Magnificent Mile and had lunch together both days. And then when the bar exam ended on the second day, we <laughs> staggered into the Esquire and sat through the original Star Wars 
twice. <laughs> wow. Boy, that Esquire Theater was one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. It really too. was. I remember I remember seeing so many I mean big movies were so great when before they split yeah. it and cut it into like six yeah. or seven theaters. You were probably yeah. away from Chicago by that point. Um yeah. but yeah, no, I mean with the with the balcony and everything and um you know, I saw Empire there, I saw Star Wars, I saw a lot of it, the right stuff. I remember seeing there Scarface, I saw there. Also Chicago when I was growing up had had some great repertory theaters including the Biograph. Yep. Uh, where you could go and see old movies. Yep. And I had actually one of the strangest experiences of my life there. Um, I've This is a, a deep regret that I have, so I'll tell you that up front. So I went to see a movie, an old movie called Judge Priest at the Biograph Theater, of course, which is famous for that's where John Dillinger was shot. Why yep. was he shot there? Because he, ha- he loved Myrna Loy, and he had gone to see a Myrna Loy movie at the, <laughs> at the Biograph. So right. anyway, so I went to the Biograph Theater where they had a, a a big cardboard cutout of the lady in red on the ladies' room and John Dillinger in the men's room. They really, you know, leaned oh, yeah. into it. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so I'm seeing this movie, uh, Judge Priest, and it's an old black and white movie, meaning that there's kind of some, not even kind of, there's some very racist stuff in there. Sure, yeah. And so at the end of the movie, the theater manager came in and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a big surprise for you. We have one of the stars of that movie right here with us today, Step and Fetch It. Oh my God, really? I know, yes. And I am embarrassed that what? I was so upset about the racist portrayal of the character that I left without talking to him. And oh, I regret that so man. much. And just but just can, out of nowhere, this was not advertised. It was just, hey. No, not at all. Are you kidding me? Well, Step and Fetch It was in the theater for Judge How have Priest. I never heard this story now? I've known you since like 1998. How have I, I never heard this story? I, I know. That's incredible. Well, it and is you incredible. didn't stay. And you didn't stay. And I didn't stay. And I regret that. I was just embarrassed for him. And I shouldn't have yeah. been. I should have gone up and, you know, I, I, I really regret that. But yeah. I'll tell you another Hollywood legend that Please. I did meet and did Please. go up to. Yeah. And that is when I was in high school. I saw that Groucho Marx was coming to give a talk at Northwestern. Oh, man. And I went. And uh, I went up to him after, because I'm a huge Marx Brothers fan. Of course. And I went up to him afterward, and I said, Mr. Marx, I just want you to know I'm such a big fan. He said, how old are you, honey? I said, I'm 17. (laughs) And he said, too old for me, but I'll kiss you anyway. And he kissed my cheek. And his mustache, you know, was like a, a Brillo pad on yeah. my cheek. But, yeah, so I've been kissed by Groucho Marx. That's a, oh, my God, you're too old for me. You were 17. <laughs> Boy, again, those two two examples of times were a lot different now. Times were a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. I can't believe I never heard that step and fetch it story at the biograph. That's yeah. incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. What a great story. Uh, anyway, um, you know, uh, you know, being a Chicago, see now I had a, and I think we've talked about this before. I had an interesting upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. my father started taking me to movies when I was way too young to be seeing these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw all the movies in the seventies, a ton of movies in the seventies in, in the loop when those theaters were grind houses. So, wow. The old beautiful Chicago, well, the beautiful Chicago Theater now, it was a dump then. Uh, the Chicago Theater, the State Lake, the Roosevelt, the United Arts, the Michael Todd, the Woods, uh, you know, all of these theaters uh, that I would go to. 
And I, that's where I saw a lot of my movies with almost all uh, African-American crowds. There were, it was mm-hmm. me and my dad were usually the only white people in the audience. And it was a culturally interesting way. You know, like I remember, I, I vividly remember this now. I had seen so many movies like In the Loop that when I started going to neighborhood theaters in white neighborhoods, I was like, why aren't people screaming at the screen? <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be racist yeah. or to be, but it's no, true. No, it's true. No, like, it's like, in, yeah. it, it, you know, I mean, well, there was a joke. There was a joke, in fact, on Seth Meyers' show uh, the other night uh, that he made with Amber Ruffin about uh, black audiences talking back to the screen. So it's still a thing. Yeah. But back in the 70s in the grindhouses, you know, I remember seeing Halloween um, when it first came out, I was 13 years old, and like when she dropped the knife, everybody had something to say about that. <laughs> like they were screaming. So I remember as a little kid, probably six, seven years old, going to a white theater and going, "Wait, I don't understand what's happening. Why aren't people yelling?" You know, <laughs> that is so funny. Now this is probably before your time, but uh, there was another repertory theater I used to go to. It had a different double feature every day. And remember people we didn't have netflix we didn't have turner yep. classic movies we didn't yep. have cable yep. uh we didn't have videos uh when i was growing up so if i wanted to see some old movie and i was trying to see you know as many as i could uh, i had to go to some of these theaters so there was this very 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 divey theater uh that showed a different double feature every day and i went several times and it was such a dive that they had a separate balcony just for women, so that you wouldn't get molested oh, while you went to the th- while you went to the watch a movie. Well, where was this? Do you remember the theater? I can't think of the name of the theater, but I do remember that they called the balcony the gallery. Get it? The gallery. <laughs> oh my god! Was it in the city proper or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it in the Loop? Yes. God, okay, it could be any Oriental, maybe. No, it wasn't the Oriental. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. It's, I, then, I always, I always then, laugh. I always laugh my ass off when I, when I'm, when I take the subway downtown, because you know, I'll, I'll take the subway downtown to, you know, and I, and as every time I walk through the Loop now, I just think about what it was like in the '70s, and yeah. and I get out of Block 37, which is a mall, and that's where you, the United Artists and the Roosevelt used to be there, and now it's a mall. And every time I walk out and I see the Nederlander Theater across the street with its big marquee showing Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, seeing triple Kung Fu features when it was the Oriental in the 70s, when it was a dump. Right. When it was rat infested. And now it's like people are paying $500 to see Hamilton. I'm like, look, I paid two bucks to see three Peter Cushing movies there. So, Uh, you know. Well, I'll tell you one more downtown Chicago theater story. Okay. Well, first, I want to say that a huge influence on me, the other end of the spectrum, was that I went to the... Um, Art Institute and took a class in movie history there, yeah, yeah. and um, and that was a great experience. And that's where I saw Seven Samurai and a lot of other wonderful right, movies. Right. Uh, but my favorite Chicago movie theater story is that my parents uh, went to see Do the Right Thing mm-hmm. uh, at Water Tower Place, yeah. and walked in on Barack and Michelle on their first date. What? Whoa! What? Yes. So here's what happened. Uh, In 30 years of teaching law school, my sister at Harvard, my sister called my father exactly once to say, I have a student who is brilliant. You have to hire him. 
And she said, uh, I know that the law firm doesn't normally take summer interns from first year students. This kid is amazing. You have got to hire him. His name is Barack Obama. So my father said, absolutely. Let me, how do you spell it? And, and he, you know, <laughs> he wrote it down and, and they, they hired Barack Obama after his first year of law school to come be a summer intern in my dad's office, Sidley Austin. Uh, and they said, well, we always, you know, kind of buddy up people with somebody from their law school who's a recent graduate to kind of, you know, be their supervisor and, and uh, tutor. And uh, Michelle Robinson, she's a recent graduate of Harvard Law School. Let's, let's have her be uh, assigned to Barack Obama. Wow. So, of course, they're not supposed to be dating. So... Uh. <laughs> on their first date, they go to see, do right. the right thing, we and know who that. walks That's, in and but my parents. Unbelievable. And they, were, they were very embarrassed. My father wrote the cutest article about it. I'll send it to you. Please. And, and they were very embarrassed, like, we're going to get in trouble. And my mom and dad were like, dude, you know, it's yeah. fine. And, um, of course, you know, they made a movie about Barack yes, Mitchell's first date. Yes, they and did. And when I interviewed the guy who wrote it, he's, I walked into the room, and before I could even say anything, he said, I know, I know that your parents and the Obamas <laughs> did not get into a fight after the movie, but that would not have been interesting for the movie, so I had to do that. Isn't and I that changed amazing? the name and everything. Yeah. But that was my parents. I didn't know that. That's incredible. I know. That is absolutely incredible. Wow. And you know, <laughs> see, okay, that gives that gives me an indication as to how long it's been since we've talked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the Barack Obama story. Uh, yeah. I have not heard that. So that's how long it's been since we talked. That's, that's a long time. It's but a yeah. long time. Wow. But that, well, was, that was a water tower place. Water tower place. Man. I think so, they have a plaque at the at the Baskin Robbins where they went on their first date, but they should have a plaque at water tower place They too. should, even though those theaters are gone, but they I should. Know. Yeah. Um, I've got, I haven't been in a water tower place in, man, years. It's been a long time. So, wow, that's an incredible story. Um, <laughs> and a romantic one. See, I'm going to try to segue. There we go. See, how nice. I, I'm a professional broadcaster still. <laughs> um, underloved romantic movies is something that you can, you can check out at RogerEbert.com. Uh, Valentine's yeah. Day is coming up, and you guys are going to be doing it. How many people are working on this? Who's working on it? What are you writing? And tell me a little bit about it. You know, we're choices. still putting it together. We sent out sort of the, the question to everybody who writes for us, and we'll see how many we get back. I had okay. actually three. So I'm glad we're going to talk about it because I could only do one okay. in the um, in the uh, so. Uh, and what's the, the criteria? I, what's the criteria for this? Just a, a movie that you treasure, a romantic movie that you treasure that is not you know one of the one of the top five that everybody always talks about. Yeah. And so of course, I mean I've got plenty, but the the one that uh, that I wrote about is uh, you know we have. Countless movies about people falling in love. We have, you know, 99% of movies are about people falling in love. Right. There are almost no movies about people staying in love. Mm. And of those, of that tiny little category, um, the number that feature two Oscar winning actors and just, and an Oscar winning uh, uh, composer and just perfect in every way. Um, is Two for the Road with uh, Audrey Hepburn Absolutely. and Albert Finney. Absolutely. And it's about, a, we see this couple over the first 10 years of their marriage going back and forth as they vacation in the south of France. So you also have the world's most gorgeous setting. 
and the world's most gorgeous, you know, couple. And uh, also hilarious performance uh, by Eleanor Braun and William Daniels as these obnoxious Americans that they go on vacation with. So yeah. over 10 years, they go on these different vacations in the south of France. And it's just, I mean, Stanley Donnan directed, uh, Frederick Raphael, Oscar winner Frederick Raphael wrote it. It's just a perfect, wonderful movie. And, and I think choice. everybody should see it. That's a great choice. That's a okay. great choice. I've got two more. Okay. All right. Uh, one is a French film, um, and it's called And Now My Love. Have you ever mm -hmm. heard of that? I have, yes. yes. Okay, and so the great thing about that one, this is sort of the opposite of what I just said, because the great thing about that one is the entire movie is these two people who don't know each other, and as you go through their lives with them, you see these people are perfect with each, for each other, and they meet in the last minute of the movie. So yeah. it's all about the buildup to that, and I think that's a great movie. Okay. All right. And what was and, the third one? And the third one, in my opinion, the greatest chemistry of any movie couple happens to be the actors who who did more movies together than anybody else in the sound era. And that is William Powell and Myrna Loy. And of course, they did the Thin Man movies, yeah. and they're wonderful. Yeah. But of their movies, um, there's one called I Love You Again that I think is just a perfect romance. I don't think I've and, seen that. Oh my gosh, I, I love it. it. I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's on Turner Classic Movies at least two or three times a year. And what happens in this one is we meet him on a cruise, on a, a ocean liner. He's coming back to America after doing business in Europe. He's By the way, the are, are, they, are they sober in this movie? Because uh, in the sometimes. Thin Man, because in the Thin Man movies, they're drunk. The they're, they are drunk. And one of my favorite moments in the Thin Man movie is that he is sitting in the park with the dog Asta, yeah. and she is back in their apartment, and she she shakes the martini shaker back in the apartment, and he knows, and he yeah. turns around and goes back. It's so great. All right, back to back to I love you again. Okay, I love yeah. you again. All right, yeah. so he's the world's most boring person. He's okay. just awful. And he falls off the, bo he, the boat, gets hit on the head, and it turns out he's had amnesia for many years. And he was, at one time, a very sophisticated con artist. Mm. And so uh, he's, oh, he man. realizes that in this new persona, he's got quite a bank account. So he's going to pretend to still be that guy, go home, clean out the, the bank account, and go on his merry way. Wow. But it turns out that in his amnesia state, he married Myrna Loy. <laughs> great it's such a good movie it is so oh, delightful man. and you have to watch it at least I three will. times to get all of the jokes in it but i, think I love that's you a, again i love you yeah, again. i love you again i am get you and listen I, this will be this this is the first time in many years now that i have a partner uh for valentine's day like i have not this is oh, I, I have a, yeah i'm, I'm, I'm actually i got a i have a very lovely uh, woman, a woman in my life right now and i haven't had a woman in my life in, in many years but i'm telling you i love you again sounds like that's something we want to watch no oh it's absolutely about. it's absolutely delightful now and when then, you were when you were yeah. talking about no go ahead what were you gonna say oh i was gonna say i'm just gonna mention one more which yeah. is in my opinion the wittiest script of all time um, you can't beat Billy Wilder and yep. uh, Ball of Fire with uh, Barbara Stanwyck and Gary Cooper. Uh, they 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 did a Billy Wilder um, extended matinee festival at the Music Box last year. Oh. Uh, that lasted for almost four months, and I went every week. And they wow. showed Ball of Fire. They showed Ball of Is Fire. It, uh, 
Oh, it's incredible. It has it was... my single favorite line in the history of movies. What's that? Where she's trying to hide out with these people and yeah. with these with these seven uh, professors. Right, right. And, and she's trying to explain to them that she can't leave because uh, she's a showgirl. She can't leave because she has a sore throat. Yeah. And uh, and they're not quite believing her. And, and she says, uh, take a look. And the, the doctor <laughs> of the professors looks at her. He says, it does look a little pinkish. And she says, pink? It's as red as the daily worker and just as sore. <laughs> that is just a perfect line yeah. of dialogue. And a Billy Wilder line. A Billy, Billy Wilder, Wilder line. Yeah. I, think, I think that you have to be, since the movie is really about the English language, I think you have to be a non-native speaker of the English language to have written that movie. I think yeah. it's just great. It's a, it's a brilliant movie. And, and again, seeing all these Billy Wilder movies was... Such Ugh. a joy. I mean, it was four months worth of Billy Wilder every weekend. And, he uh, and Preston Sturgis are my two yeah. favorites. Yeah, and, and yeah. Wilder, you know, brought out the young people. There were kids yeah. in their 20s. Oh. I mean, you know, the, the Music Box Theater seats 750 people. Stuff like, you know, like Sunset Boulevard and Some Like It Hot sold out. There were 750 people on a Sunday morning at 1130 watching a Billy Wilder movie in 35. A Billy I mean, it was, Wilder movie, right, the Billy Wilder movie that you can see on Turner Classic Movies, and they came out to see it in a theater, yeah, which makes yeah. me so happy. And they showed my favorite, which is not romantic in the least, my favorite Billy Wilder movie, and there are many. Is it Ace in the Hole? It is Ace in the Hole. <laughs> <laughs> see? You know you me know, we so well. We haven't talked for a while, but I do know you very well. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> now, you know, what you, does she say? I don't, I don't pray because yeah, uh, kneeling it bags, bags my, my nylons. nylons. It bags my nylons, yeah. <laughs> kneeling, kneeling bags my nylons, that's right. <laughs> I love that movie so it's much. It's a great, uh, it is a Jan great Sterling. movie. Jan Sterling, Jan Sterling. It is, Jan Sterling oh is incredible God. in it, but it, that is one dark movie. Oh, it's as dark as possible. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you something, and it was not nearly as packed as some of the other movies. And yeah. I'm telling you, those 20-somethings, when that movie was over, they were like, what the hell did we, you know. Like, <laughs> what have I just seen? <laughs> did he literally just die right in yes, front of the camera? Yeah. Is that how yeah. it ended with a blazing close-up of Kirk Douglas dying? Is that we how are this movie so, We are so used to the just-in-time save. <laughs> exactly. Not in Billy Wilder. Yeah. Not in no. his world. No. So anyway, great choice. Now, you know, you're talking about under sort of like unusual maybe love stories. I Just a couple came into my brain that okay. I love. Just okay. a couple. And they're more modern. Um, because I sat through a terrible movie last night called Lisa Frankenstein, which was awful. I don't oh, know if you've seen it. Oh, can we talk about it? Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, my okay. God. Oh, my God. All right. I, I, it was so bad, I want you to know. I'm I very to... interested to hear that you, who are, you are a horror fan, and you Fanatic. didn't like it. So I hate yeah. it. And the reason okay. I bring it up, well, the reason I bring it up, one, I, after I watched that, I was like, Diablo Cody should give her Oscar back now. But <laughs> um, but it, it made me think of a movie and that popped into my brain while we were thinking of this. There was this film called Warm Bodies, which yes. um, was about that is a zombie, a romance. A, a romance about a zombie and a girl, and mm-hmm. it's similar to what they tried to do in Lisa Frankenstein, but failed miserably. But I love Warm Bodies. I love yeah. that movie, and it's weird. Yeah. So I, I was thinking offbeat, but let me tell you one of my favorite romantic movies that isn't sort of a typical romantic movie because the people who the, the couple, it's a, it, you ever see a, a, a romantic movie and go, wow, I really wish they were a real couple. You ever oh, see yeah, that? Sure. And and I want to mention one that I love so much. I think it's the best thing Sam Mendes has ever directed. And it's Away We Go with John Krasinski. <gasps> I um, love that and, movie. And Maya I Rudolph. Love yes. I, I oh my God. Oh my I, God. The scene with Melanie Linsky I just can't, kills me. I can't even. No, I can't yeah. with that movie. I and yeah. Dave Eggers and his girlfriend wrote yeah. it. 
Um, yeah. And Sam Mendes thing, but I think it's the best thing he ever directed. And he did it as I a follow up to he he did it as a follow up to Revolutionary Road, which is the complete opposite. Yeah, of, that's of definitely that. not romantic. No, and he was going through a divorce, I think, with Kate Winslet yeah. at the time, or something was yeah. something was happening. But anyway, Away We Go is unabashedly romantic, and that couple, yeah. that yeah. that relationship, and she's like massively pregnant throughout the movie. And it's all about, I love that movie to my core. And I think it's one of the most beautiful and romantic movies ever made. I love Away We Go. I love it. I completely agree with you. And as I just said, the scene with Melanie Linsky is so heartbreaking and so beautiful. And I I, I absolutely agree. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up since you were talking about maybe underloved romantic movies. Maybe somebody can throw that one into the mix when you guys Mm -hmm. do that. But keep a lookout for that at uh, at RogerEbert.com. Now, speaking of, we haven't talked in a while. Uh, you know, we all did our lists of our favorite movies yep. of 2023. We got the Oscars coming up. Um, I am one of the people, one of the few people on the planet that hated Oppenheimer. And um, and and I know that it's going to win every single award. Definitely. Uh, c- come Oscar night. And I'm just going to sit there and go, oh, God. Every time it wins. You win- know what? I'm just I know I know I don't have to tell you this but I'm going to tell it to you anyway you cannot confuse the Oscars with any kind of objective of value of and you know it's yeah. it's the industry voting for itself they love you to think of them as being serious yeah and so I think they are going to go with Oppenheimer I yeah. would love to hear more about why you hate it. I didn't hate it but I didn't like it and yeah. I think for me you know Nolan is a very chilly director Yep. And there's always a kind of a cerebral distance in his movies that that keeps me from liking them very much. I thought it was super interesting that we had four movies last year about real-life men who had massive impacts on history and culture that focused hugely on their love life. So, you know, we had Maestro, we mm-hmm. had Ferrari, and we had Napoleon, and mm-hmm. we had Oppenheimer. And I'm not sure that that was the most interesting part of any of their lives. And the interesting thing about all of those movies is that the women were the best part of the movies. <laughs> uh, especially with Ferrari, because Penelope Cruz was unbelievable in that she's movie. She's always amazing. Oh, she's always amazing. But yeah, no, I yeah. like all the women. Well, I, actually, the women were horribly written. And one of my complaints about Oppenheimer is that I agree with Nolan, you. I, and Chris has never written a good woman never. character. And all ever. of the women, all yeah. of the women in his movies, and I'm sorry, I'm going to rant here. All the women in his movies are either disturbed or drunk or on drugs. Uh, yeah. And they're going to kill themselves, like Inception. Yeah. You know, like all yeah. he has these yeah. this really unhealthy view of women that drives me nuts when I see his movies. I absolutely agree with you, hundred percent. And so, okay, so you say, all right, great, Nolan, you're going to make a movie about an, a, a real life historical event that was primarily yeah. men. Good for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And then what does he do? He throws in two, not one, but two crazy women. <laughs> two crazy women. Yeah. And I and I, but I did love Robert Downey Jr. I thought he was great. Uh. okay and but i you know like look there are certain things i just don't i don't i'm not i have not i do not drink the kool-aid on christopher nolan i'm sorry i don't yeah i'm Uh, with you i'm so happy to hear it you know i i i I completely agree with you about his batman movies i as i said there's a there's a chilliness to his work and and i just don't i mean don't i just don't buy into the fact that this guy's the look i admire his dedication to cinema the cinematic mm-hmm. experience and you know and preserving film and shooting on film, I admire all of that. I just don't like his movies very much. The ones that I do like, like I really like Inception a lot and I really like Interstellar. Those are the two that I love the most. I hate all his Batman movies. I don't like a lot of his other ones. A lot of his movies don't hold up. And he has this like 
tendency to like the, the thing about Oppenheimer was that it reminded me of JFK. And if there's one movie I don't want to be reminded of is JFK. <laughs> I don't like that movie at all. Oh my God. And, and yeah. like, and he has these cinematic tricks. They're not even cinematic. He has these tricks where he'll like, some of it's in black and white. He'll jump through time. He'll cut this. He'll cut yeah. that. And it'll be different yeah. framing. And there's nothing but blasting music and then silence and blasting sound. It's like, like he's got a bag of tricks that aren't that impressive. And he uses them for three hours and I'm done. I'm well, done. I agree with you, and I thought the jumping around in Oppenheimer did not add anything to uh, the storytelling whatsoever. Um, I have to tell you, since you mentioned JFK, that the movie I'm reviewing for Roger Ebert this week is the documentary about Ennio Morricone, which oh is, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is great because he's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a it's not a very dynamic documentary, but it's just a wonderful story, and of course the music is great. And the person who comes across as a total boob yeah. in it is uh, Oliver Stone. Not not surprising. <laughs> he literally, yeah. literally brings to Morricone a Tom and Jerry cartoon with a boing, you know, kind of sound effects and says, this is the feeling I want in the score. Oh, <laughs> uh, Oliver Stone, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Well, um, can I throw at you my list of my top 20 favorite movies yep. of last year? Yep. Okay, I'll throw my. I'll just rattle off the titles, and then you tell me about your favorites, and then we can just uh, okay. discuss discuss if okay. we have any overlapping or things like that. Okay. So I'm going to start with twenty and go to one, and I'll just give you the titles. Uh, and, okay. And some of these do not show up on other people's lists. Let me just say that. Same here. Okay. On my list. Okay. My number twenty is Foe. Um, okay, hated that movie. Okay, we'll everybody talk about did. It. Number yeah. nineteen is Alice Darling. I didn't uh, see it. 18, Somewhere in Queens. Oh, that uh, was good. Uh, 17, Priscilla. Okay. 16, not, John not Wick. John Wick. John Wick. <laughs> okay. 15, mm-hmm. May, December. Mm-hmm. 14, 1001. Oh, my God. Yeah. 13, Wonka. I have a... Okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I am in love with Tim, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Like, I love Me him. too. I, I love Wonka. I'm My God. Uh, but no, I can't even, I can't even stand it. They've, they've invited me to two screening. There are two uh, critic screenings of Dune. I'm going to both and I haven't even seen it yet. And I'm going to both. <laughs> okay. 12, When Evil Lurks, a very dark and twisted and crazy, uh, horror film, uh, from Spain. Um, okay. so that's number 12. Number 11, Godzilla minus one. Excellent. Number 10, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yep. Number nine, Blue Jean. Have you seen Blue Jean? No, what is it? I don't even know what it is. Okay, Blue Jean is a British movie that maybe five people saw an incredible lead performance in it, and it's about it takes place in the eighties under Thatcher, and it's about a um, a gay a, a lesbian uh, gym teacher who might be outed because um, there is a gay student who shows up who knows her lifestyle. Uh, incredible, wow. incredible. Blue Jean, okay. uh, number eight of an age. Yes. Um, which seven people saw. Uh, number yeah. seven, The Iron Claw. Yes. Um, number six. Now, I, this is a lot of people think I'm insane and I put this way too high and some people don't like it. I love this movie very, very much. Number six on my list is Dumb Money. Um, it's on my list too. I loved it. Oh, see, this is why you and I. This is <laughs> okay, I'll keep going. Number five, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Yep. Number four, The Holdovers. Yep. Number three, Poor Things. <laughs> number two birth rebirth which another is another movie that six people saw right uh and then number one my favorite movie of last year without question without even thought is barbie without question it's my favorite movie of last year 
Oh my gosh. Okay, that is a great list. I have to tell you that Foe is on my worst of the year list. Okay. Everybody hates that movie and I can understand why. I, I just I really dug it. I, I hate that movie <laughs> even though I love Paul Mescal so deeply. Yeah. Uh, and uh, of course Shersha. We've all loved yeah, her for a she long rules. time. But yeah. Paul, Paul Mescal is yeah. amazing. I know people. Oh um, God! Every time I mention that I loved Faux, people are like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I, I, I loved it. <laughs> Can I just okay. say it made it made no sense whatsoever? <laughs> <laughs> made sense to me, and it seemed like a pretty accurate portrayal of marriage it's, in my. You know, in my, in my going mind. going back to one of my favorite movies of all time, yeah. Blade Runner. I love mm-hmm. Blade Runner. Who doesn't love Blade Runner? By the way, I I'm going Blade to Runner. see it. I'm going to see it next weekend at the Auditorium uh, Theater with the uh, Philharmonic, with the Philharmonic uh, doing the score live. Uh, okay. I'm going to lose love, my mind. I love Blade Runner, but yeah. throughout Blade Runner, I'm saying to myself, if you didn't want us to be confused about the replicants, why not just make them blue or something? Or you know, I mean, I it's and I feel like that times a billion for folk because okay. they can right. solve that problem <laughs> so easily. Okay, that's so, I love it when you hate a movie. Okay, so what? Let, let's talk about your favorites, and uh, I guess we've had a couple a couple that are on the list. You mentioned so. What are what are yeah. your favorites of twenty twenty three? Okay, um, I don't waste any brain cells on what should be number six and what should be number seven. So gotcha. my lists are, are alphabetical. Yeah, I know that. I know that. So, okay. of the years I've known you now, I know that I'm aware of that. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So all right. So in alphabetical order, I have Air. I liked Air very much. Mm-hmm. American Fiction, which actually, if I was doing it in order, would be my number one for the year. Uh, yeah, terrific it. movie. Terrific movie. Uh, <laughs> somehow, Barbie. somehow, Foe beat it in the top 20. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Barbie. I loved Barbie. Please. Loved Barbie. I can't even loved, that movie. Loved Barbie. Yep. My job yep. is just beach. I mean, it's genius. Yep. I mean, come on. It's great. It's, yeah. Yep. Bottoms. Oh, my I God. Love <laughs> I, love that. I love that movie so much. It's nope. the best. I laughed harder in that movie than I, anything else I saw yeah, last no, year. And and I just love the the lengths that it went to, how dark and crazy and surreal it got. I you know, I love no Bottoms is a great film. Great. And I want to say a couple of things about it because even though you know, we love the women who made it, um, and I was not a fan of Shiva Baby at all, and so right, I neither. was not expecting yep. a lot. Yep. But I loved it. But I have to really shout out to the men in the movie. I know. The guy who was also in Red, White, and Royal Blue, mm-hmm. playing the the opposite kind of character, and in yep. this one he plays the idiot football player. Yep. He's incredible. I'm incredible. super and in, super into and, him and, now. And the NFL football player. And that player. football player. Oh that my football god. Player. Oh. <laughs> I he slayed me. He was Unbelievably so funny. funny. Now funny. I. Had, I, did you ever have you watched the the TV series on Netflix called Murderville? No, I haven't. Okay, just watch his episode. Okay. The premise the premise of Murderville. I'm going to catch you right away. You're going to be interested right away. The star is Will Arnett, mm-hmm. and Will Arnett plays an incompetent detective, okay. and there's a murder in every episode. And the, the the gimmick is that the incredibly famous person who is the guest star each week, has no idea of what's going on. They have not seen a script. They don't know anything about it. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. And that guy is amazing at it. He is so funny. Okay. And so, all right. So, all right. So I love Bottoms. Okay. Okay. Now here comes my next one, which is the one that nobody saw. Okay. And the people who did see it didn't like it. Mm -hmm. But I loved Carmen, which had... um, 
uh, has nothing to do with the opera, and right. it had Paul, Paul Mescal, and yep. I just I just went with it. It's a, just a beautiful movie. Okay. okay. Then I had Dumb Money. Mm-hmm. And as oh, you know, so good. And, I'm so I'm so glad life, somebody else. I'm so good glad that somebody else liked that movie. Well, as you know, in my other life, I'm a lawyer specializing in finance and, right. and bad behavior by a lot of people. So right. I knew the story very well, and I I thought it was extremely well done, Me very too. smart. I loved it. Okay, uh, the holdovers. Loved it. Loved it. Okay. Loved it. Yep. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I did put Oppenheimer on my list just because I thought it was impressive, but as I said, I didn't really connect to it. The mm-hmm. Persian version, did you see that? I did, yes, and I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. Polite Society. Liked it, didn't love it. Okay, <coughs> Rye Lane. Talk about an underloved romantic movie. Yeah. Rye Lane yeah. is a beautiful movie. You have to watch it with the subtitles because even though they are in England, they have very strong accents, yep. but it's one of those, like, before sunrise, one of those walking around and falling in love movies, so I like right. that. And then I know you like, you must have liked this movie because it's an incredibly great movie. They cloned Ty- Tyrone. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. I enjoyed it very much. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those, so, those are, well, those are some, some unusual choices, as, as always. And on my runner-up list, I okay. had, uh, I had Wonka. I loved Wonka. Yeah, me too. I had uh, Theater Camp. Which yeah, I not a. Was hilarious. I liked. Uh, I I liked final song. I, I liked. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I liked. I liked. Yeah. I liked all. I really didn't like it that much, but I really I did enjoy all the stage manager jokes. Like I found those. <laughs> I, I love because having worked in theater, I for went many, to many, theater many, camp. Yeah, no, I understand. So, and having worked in yeah. theater, storefront theater for you know fifteen years in Chicago. All of that stage manager stuff was completely accurate. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and the, and you mentioned that last number. That is the perfect embodiment of the concept that it's going to be a disaster all the way there, and then somehow it all yeah. comes together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. loved it. So my worst list for last year, okay. I did have Foe, Strays. <laughs> I hated Strays. Oh, I thought Strays was funny. I did. Oh, my God. There was one, it was, there were, you know, it was just dogs having sex and pooping through the whole movie. Right. That was all it was. Okay. And I, la- I laughed the entire. All right, that's fine. Paint. Uh, paint. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, it didn't make my list, but, uh, but yeah. That is, that is a bad movie. I'm now looking up my worst list. Okay, uh, okay, go ahead. Okay. Now that's it. That's oh, okay. I have some. Mafia Mama. I'm sorry. I had one more. Mafia Mama. Mafia Mama was terrible. Here's what I included. I have the. I put Maestro on my worst list. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Insidi- Insidious, The Red Door. Um, okay. The Killer. I hated it. The Fincher movie. Um, Skin of Marink. That was a terrible movie. Which one? The, ki- the Killer. It's awful. It's awful. It had one good scene. The fight scene. <laughs> no. No. Okay. The scene with uh, Tilda Swinton in the restaurant. That's the okay. one scene. Right. Yeah. That's okay. The, one the fi- scene. I thought the fight scene was nicely cut and edited. That, yeah, that it was, was fine, fine, fine. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. the Tilda Swinton scene was that's, good. Yeah, because anytime you put Tilda Swinton in, in anything, yeah, it's, it's gonna good. be good, right? Yeah. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding three. Ugh. Uh, uh, the Flash, Napoleon, eighty for Brady. I uh, really didn't like Napoleon at all. Oh God. Uh, Grand Turismo. And 80 for Brady is, is, a, is a disgrace. I didn't mind Grand Turismo, but 80 for Brady is just a disgrace. What a waste of talent of those okay. lovely ladies. All right. Now, book, now, book Club 2 is even worse. Oh, my God. Terrible. All right. Now, so let me give you the three. That, okay. First of all, the M. Night Shyamalan, the knock at the cabin. I can't stand him, but that goes without saying. Um, the, the Italian Dane Cook movie with uh, um, about my father with uh, Robert De Niro. <gasps> oh, that awful. was awful. Yeah. That was yeah. a terrible movie. Yeah. Now, how about this one? Did you see Spinning Gold? 
the movie about no. Casablanca Records? Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about it. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, my God, Nell. It was not good. To, to me, honestly. How do, you, how do you blow that? No, but to me, like, it's so bad, like, it's it's like to, it's it's plan nine bad. Like I laughed my ass off. <laughs> I laughed from beginning to end of that movie, and it's so bad. People don't even realize this. They're doing the story of Casablanca Records, and they couldn't get the actual rights to the actual Kiss makeup. So the guys are wearing different designed makeup. That's how bad this movie is. Oh my gosh! But oh the my gosh. so the number one movie on my list of the of the worst movies of the year. And mm-hmm. since we've since it's been a long time now, um, I I've gotten sober. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so I'm in recovery. Mm-hmm. And so the movie that I hated the most, which might not be technically as bad as about my father or spinning gold, but to me, it was offensive on every level was, uh, Zach Braff's movie, a good person. Um, with, <gasps> that with, was an awful movie. Yes. Oh with my Florence goodness. Florence Pugh, Morgan yes. Freeman, Molly Shannon, yeah. amazing cast. Yeah. But it's it's portrayal of recovery and its portrayal and particularly of AA is so dishonest, misleading and horrible and damaging that I was offended to my core as a person in recovery. So I had to put that as number 1. Even though technically spinning gold is a much bigger piece of crap, but <laughs> but a good person offended me deeply. Um, well, I think I think I like your list because you didn't go for the easy choices. You went for the ones that should have been good and weren't. Yeah. And because they they had good people behind them and they yeah. have people who've made good movies. Yeah. And yeah, the only thing I, I liked in A Good Person was um, I like that first scene with Florence Pugh singing in the at the party. But no, that was that was not a good movie. That no, was awful. That was awful. And I um, don't know what's happened with Zach Braff because I love Garden State and his other movies have not been good. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. Okay, so those are those are those are uh, 2023. Are there movies that we've that in the past like five, six, seven years that really that have blown your, blown the doors off for you? Have you have you seen uh, anything? Oh my gosh, um, I would have to really yeah. think about I, it. Let me let me let me give you mine from last year, the year before, okay. which can which contained my favorite performance by a human in maybe 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my favorite. Speaking of recovery, my favorite movie of 2022, without question, and my favorite performance by any human in years. Uh, was the movie was too Leslie and Andrea Riceborough. Um, her oh. performance in that movie is unbelievable. You want to talk about about a honest portrayal of oh, substance? My God! I, uh, First no. of all, yeah. Andrea Riceborough is insanely talented, incredible. And the only reason that she's not a superstar is that she's so good, you forget that it's the same exactly. person in all. She of these is roles. a chameleon. She truly is a chameleon yeah. in every movie. I, she's. And, She's got this, we've got this uh, HBO Max thing coming up with the regime with her and Kate mm-hmm. Winslet. Come on mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I mean, please. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Come on. So, uh, God. Uh, anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, really quickly before we, because we're, we've already run out of time now. You're, you're, oh. by the way, you have no, you have no, uh, you have nothing to say about this. You're a regular now. That's it. Okay. That's <laughs> a deal. You have nothing to say about this. You, you are <laughs> okay. going to join me every few weeks. There's just, that's All it. right. It's not negotiable. <laughs> um, Oscars. Anything? Any uh, uh, categories that you that you are most interested in? That you are, that you're rooting for anything in particular besides you know Oppenheimer winning everything? Are there certain categories that you're rooting for? I really, really want uh, Lily Gladstone to win, mm-hmm. and uh, Divine Joy. Yeah. Um, 
uh, for holdovers. I really yeah. want her to win. Those are the yeah. two that kind of have my heart. Other yeah. than that, you know, I watch it just for the fun of watching. It. I'm, I'm, well, see, in the same regard, I'm, I'm so rooting for Giamatti. I want him to win. He got screwed oh. over 20 years ago for Sideways and didn't even get nominated. Can and I mention one of his movies that nobody has seen that I really love? Sure. Cold Souls. Yeah, love I that movie. Love, I yes. love Cold yes. Souls. Me too. So if you are a Giamatti fan, which Me too. if you're breathing, you should be, uh, that's, one, <laughs> that's one to take a look at. Uh, and very quickly, the one thing that I want from the Academy Awards ceremony, the only thing I want, the only thing that I demand, is that Ryan Gosling perform? I'm Sing, just Ken. Ken. Yeah, that's absolutely. It. That's all yeah. I want. He says I don't he's care. willing to do it. I don't care about any. Honest to God, I don't care about <laughs> anything else. I want to see Ryan Gosling perform. I'm just Ken, which is my favorite musical number, like in any movie in the past, like 15 years. I can't even explain to you how much. I want. It is a brilliant number. I was delighted that it yeah. won the Critics' Choice Award. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm just going to go with um, Siskel and Ebert in terms of songs. I think the one thing that the Academy gets really wrong every year is the songs. And I'm just done with having some song by a pop star that comes over the closing credits of a documentary know, getting uh, getting nominated. Yeah. So I'm just Ken, crucial to the storyline, yeah. crucial to the movie. I would love to see it win. Not because it's the prettiest well, song or because you can dance to it. Yeah. But the other song, though, the Billie Eilish song, also played yeah. a, an important part in the movie and yeah. moves me yeah. to tears when I hear it. And it, it is, it is, and a, it's it either is one of those. But I, th I actually think it's going to go to Billie Eilish, which I think it deserves to. And and Phineas, I think it's, I think uh, you know, what was what was I here for? Or what am I here for? Is is yeah. an amazing, an yeah. amazing thing. So or what was I made for? Sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, listen, uh, now, God, it's such a pleasure. People can check you out at rogerebert.com, motionpictures.org. Where else can people see uh, your stuff and read your older Moviemom stuff? Moviemom.com. Well? It's still up. It's still going. It's still going strong. Oh. That's where a lot of my stuff and my, my best football movies is up this week. Oh, awesome. Moviemom.com. Check it out. You're the best, Nell. Uh, such a joy to talk to you again. And, uh, and we'll make this a regular thing, okay? You got it. Okay. It's Nell Minow, everybody. Let's talk to Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, I'm talking about that Esma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah, get yourself some Esma, love me some Esma. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. That's her theme song, which means that legally she has to speak now. Hi, Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hi, Nick. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, 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 good. Uh, all right. Well, welcome uh, to the uh, to the podcast, uh, uh, as usual. It's episode 218. Which I find mm. kind of ridiculous. I don't know. That's a lot of episodes. Two hundred eighteen episodes. That's why. It would, that's why it would be number two eighteen if it's in fact two hundred eighteen episodes. Wow. Right. Yeah. I'm a genius. Right. Wow. Yeah. I know. And oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. She's wearing a shirt that says Nick is a dipshit. Oh, thank you. No, oh, I appreciate that. So Carrie. timely. I'm Carrie Russell, <laughs> and I knows. love Nick's show. She has a T-shirt. For every uh, event, any any conversation, mm -hmm. whatever, she's ready. Boom, she can pop up with a T-shirt. 
you know, it's kind of it's kind of amazing, as you know. So, I mean, uh, she's quick. She quick is quick on her feet and quick with that t-shirt machine. Hey, listen, she had to evade the cocaine bear. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. you gotta be you gotta yeah. be quick on your feet when you're being chased by a bear on cocaine. By the way, have you ever seen that movie? I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I. It did have the dude from the. Uh, the guy from the TikTok video that went viral who complains about people at IKEA, that guy. Uh, he, sure. Uh, well, this guy he had a very popular. You know how people have popular TikTok videos that last about mm-hmm. a month. Mm-hmm. Well, about a year and a half ago, or maybe a year, year, year and a half ago, this guy with a mustache, uh, basically spoke for anybody who ever worked retail. It's actually a very, very funny video. He did. I guess he did a series of them, but the one that really took off was when him talking to customers like him acting like he's talking to customers who ask unbelievably stupid questions when Mm -hmm. you work retail and it took off like this video it was huge and he's in cocaine bear he's one of the ambulance drivers in the scene where the where the ambulance driver shows shows up they show up and then the bear Mm -hmm. jumps in the ambulance and kills the guy that guy is from those viral videos where he's like talking about uh there you know like when someone asks stupid because you you've worked retail as well you know what i'm talking about you've worked sure. you've had to deal with the you know you have to deal with the public and the public is fucking stupid and i worked at jewel for like 11 years and i know a lot of people who worked at other department stores and things like that and you deal with idiots like this and this guy's video took off and it's basically him saying yeah oh yeah i'll go in the back and check you know, because it's like there's a magical room in the back. You know, like when people say, why don't you just go in the back and check if, because you're out of an item. Sure. <laughs> so this guy's video, this video where he did, where it's just him um, bitching about stupid questions that people have at Ikea became a viral sensation. And the guy was on talk shows and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? You know, you're a viral sensation. That's what that's what this world consists of now. And he got a part in Cocaine Bear because of it. <laughs> so he's in oh. Cocaine Bear. Well, and he gets killed. Pretty, him. He gets killed pretty good in Cocaine Bear, if I remember correctly. It's got a, it's a it's a pretty quality kill. If I, remember, I mean, the movie, I thought the movie sucked, but I, but I do remember because I thought his I thought his video was hilarious. I watched it a bunch of times and, of course, shared it like you're supposed to do with a viral video. Um, but if you've never seen it, Esmeralda, you should. I think you'd get a kick out of it because it's this guy nailing every possible stupid ass question that the public has when you work retail. This yeah. Yeah. Did. Yeah. It's very funny. But anyway, he gets killed in Cocaine Bear. Which, if I'm not mistaken, came out about a year ago. Yeah, it was around oh, wow. a year ago. Yeah, it's been a year. Because I remember the first two sort of... I, I was just talking about this in the opening of, the, of, the, of this episode, Esmeralda. I was talking about how the, mm-hmm. beginning, mm-hmm. the beginning of the year, as a film critic, the beginning of every year sucks. Because the first two, two months, like January and February, and usually into the beginning of March, nothing but shit gets released. Like nothing yeah. but terrible movies because everybody is concentrating on catching up with all the movies from the previous year that are nominated for all the awards. So the studios usually dump crap out. They're like, nobody's going to go see these new movies. So let's get rid of the shit that we don't want anybody to see at the beginning of the year. But critics have to see it. And so like inevitably the first couple of months of the year, it's like, Jesus Christ, like every week during the beginning of the year, terrible movies come out. Um, oh, interesting. And so that happens. Every, and this year, it just it, it's happening. I've been to three press screenings so far this year, just three. And all three of them were shit. Like there was <laughs> there was uh, the Mean Girls musical, which is unwatchable. Mm-hmm. There was the uh, Argyle, which is a two and a half hour spy th- comedy. 
from right. the direct from the director of the Kingsman movies, if that excites you at all. And then there's this thing called Lisa Frankenstein, mm-hmm. which is Diablo Cody wrote it, and it's like kind of her companion piece to Jennifer's Body. Remember that one with Megan Fox? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it's awful. It's unwatchable. Um, and it's about a teenage girl who brings a dude back to life from the 18th century, you know, shocking him in a suntan, uh, uh, in a tanning bed. <laughs> and it's terrible. So I was just discussing in the beginning of the, at the beginning of this podcast, how, how tough it is. The beginning of the year, terrible movies come out. And I remember last year it was back to back. Cause there were a bunch of shitty movies and then back to back two movies made kind of a, a little sensation at the box office and, and became, you know, popular on social media and popular throughout the world. And that was Megan, mm-hmm. which, which came out, I think last, it was last January. And you, everybody knows what Megan is, right? Megan is the robot, sure. little, little robot girl who does dances and shit. And now there's going to be a sequel to that. And then like about three weeks or four weeks later, cocaine bear. So it was Megan followed by cocaine bear last year. <laughs> and unfortunately we didn't have anything like that so far this year. I mean, the only thing that we have coming up that I give a shit about at all is Dune. And, you know, Dune Part 2 is going to be great. So we don't really, we haven't really had a Megan or a Cocaine Bear to mm-hmm. capture to capture the imagination of the public or become, like, big on social media or become, you know, buzzworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you see, you saw Megan, right? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't. Now, do you, I don't remember. Do you have a thing? Do you, like, freak out over dolls or anything like that or no? No. Just have not cared to see it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go out. I mean, I wouldn't. You know, it's, I wouldn't like make time. Oh, look, uh, you know, Megan is on cable at eight o'clock. Let's plan around it. You know what I mean? Let's. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Not, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do that. Uh, but anyway. But so, uh, yeah, bad, bad so far this year for uh, movies. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These guys agree with me. Hey, uh, so you got any plans for this weekend? Um, none so far. No, no, you're not, not gonna. You're gonna. You no know, Super Bowl party. You're gonna watch the Super Bowl. You're gonna avoid it. You're gonna just oh, no. watch the commercials. Any of the commercials oh, intrigue you? Yeah, at all? I'll probably just watch the commercials online. <laughs> There's uh, Where yeah, you can group them together. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's. I mean, that's the thing. Like over the years now, it's not even worth watching. I mean, you have to watch the show because they will tease you with some commercials, and then mm-hmm. the payoff is when you watch the stupid game. You know. But you're not even intrigued by how many times they showed the Swifty? Because that's like the that's that's bringing a lot no, of people. No, I could care less. Okay, all right. Um, I, I I find it hilarious that there are you know right wing conspiracy theorists who are like, yeah, the game is fixed and it's all and it's all set up so that Kansas City wins and then at the end Taylor Swift can, uh, you know, she can talk about Biden. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that's sure. that's what the, that's no that's what the right wing that's what the right wing oh, yeah. no, idiots are saying. It. I mean, it's like it's all fixed so that, you know, she can endorse Biden at the end of the game. It's like, fuck you, you lunatics. But anyway, um, so I, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we'll have the game. I'll have the game on in the background, probably like folding laundry and stuff. So while it's on. But you can watch some of the some of the commercials. I don't know. The, I guess it was Paramount Plus who has a really funny one. I don't know if you've seen it. But Creed is back. In case you. Uh... Yeah, I did see. <laughs> I did see that one, which. I'm assuming there's going to be more to it because I'm like, well, you're already playing it. But yeah, yeah. it's interesting. 
It is, isn't it? It's it like Patrick, Patrick Stewart is in it. Commercial. Uh, Aubrey mm-hmm. Plaza, uh, animated characters. Um, and then Creed plays Higher, which is my, that's my go-to uh, karaoke song, is Higher. Oh, there you go. And so I was like, wait a minute. And now Creed is touring. They are now, I guess based upon, <laughs> just based upon a Super Bowl commercial that hasn't even aired yet. Uh, Creed has now announced that they're touring and they're coming to Tinley Park in the summer. Yeah, they're making a comeback. Hell yeah, man. And Scott Stapp is back. Like, remember he left the band because he was like all fucked up and he was like drinking and all kinds of terrible mm-hmm. stuff. And you remember the, the whole shit show that happened here in Chicago where uh, yeah, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was so, drunk. Yeah, he was so loaded that he couldn't sing. And there was a lawsuit. And uh, Judy Pilak yelled at me. I've, I've told you this. Story. Yeah. Because her son was a fan of Creed, and she knew that I was like some sort of fan of Creed, and she started yelling at me, blaming me for Scott Stapp. I was like, "Why well, don't we yell at me, man? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't deliver the liquor to his house. Don't, don't bother me." But anyway, so so thanks to the Super Bowl commercials, Creed is back. Yeah, man. There you go. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, so uh, Super Bowl not a priority. Um, no. <laughs> Okay, I thought maybe somebody was going to have no. a Super Bowl party because some people, you know, Super Bowl parties can be fun. You don't have to watch the goddamn game, but you can go and like have some cool food and drink some beer and stuff. And those are always, that's always fun. You know, the game is usually secondary. Um, right. So, yeah. So no Super Bowl party. You know what I'm doing this weekend, which I haven't done in uh, in many, many years. And Julie, my girlfriend, has never gone. Mm-hmm. Um, What's we're that? going to we're going to the auto show this weekend. And um, oh, wow. I have not been to the auto show 30 years, maybe? Oh, goodness. Yeah, and Julie has never, time. never been to the auto show, and she loves cars. She loves cars more than I do. So we're actually going to go on Super Bowl Sunday mm-hmm. because Tom Appel, our car expert here on the podcast, mm-hmm. said, you know, if you want to avoid all the crowds and you want to see all the really cool stuff without waiting in line or dealing with a bunch of people, you should go on Super Bowl Sunday because it's open. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, And nobody's going to be there, so we're going on Sunday. Um. So yeah, I've been to the I've I've not been to the auto show in in many many years. You've been? Did you ever go to the auto show when you were a kid? Um, no, but uh, I've been. You know, when I was doing traffic, because they would give us tickets. Oh right, right. Mm-hmm. So 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 yeah, when you were doing, so you got they tickets would give to the us auto- tickets, and we also yeah, they would give us tickets, and we would also. For some reason, they would all they would do this whole thing where they would do a, tra- a dinner for the traffic people. Whoa, whoa, let me hear radio. about that. Really? I mean, yeah, they would just do like at a restaurant or whatever. Um, and you know, you know, you were invited if you did if you were a traffic person. It was mainly um the behind the scenes traffic people who went. Yeah. Um <laughs> because yeah, no one who like is on TV really wants to be there. <laughs> so so and, okay, what was what, yeah, what was the, that like? The, the 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 back the background traffic people are kind of like they're weirdos because <laughs> it's all like it's like the helicopter drivers and and like the the dudes who actually have to track the traffic. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. they're weirdos. They're straight weirdos. <laughs> there was a couple guys, and then here's the thing: they were all mainly they were all mainly men. Of course. Um. So they were kind of <laughs> actually like a lot of them were a little leery, like oh, kind of creepy. Of course. Yeah. They were. Um, but yeah, it was just a dinner that they would do. And then they would always send out like, you know, cause I, I, I mean, I guess that's the point is they would send us like, Oh, they're going to, 
you know, like a whole packet about like how they're going to close the streets and this and that. Cause I guess, you know, I see that as a, a like a, another way for them to promote is through the news. Right. Because then, yeah, you would talk about, Oh, it's going to be busy through here because of the traffic show or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So what would they give you? What kind of food would they get? Was it a, was it a sit down I mean, dinner it was or restaurants? Yeah. Yeah. They would, they would uh, have sit down dinners um, wow. at different places. Oh, cool. So it wasn't like they just said, uh, here's a back room at McCormick place and some hot dogs. I mean, it was like a legit dinner. Right. right? No. Okay. Yeah. It was like legit dinners that they would set up. Oh, that's pretty cool though. So, but it was because, but I mean, it was a cool dinner, but you had to have leery, creepy traffic dudes there. Yeah. You would have to have like dudes who just had no, half the time had no like social skills whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what, that's why they're working in the back of traffic. Yeah. I, you know, I totally forgot in the, the offices. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's weird. So, okay. So, and, and so did you go to all, did you go to all of them while you were a traffic person? Did you go? To no, all of them? not all of them. Um, yeah. But I'm sure they're still doing them. I'm sure if you talk to Mary, <laughs> Mary Vanderbilt, uh, she'll probably, yeah, she, yeah. I think she used to go to most of them. I wouldn't be surprised. And I bet she was, a, she, I bet she was quite the guest uh, at those at the at those uh, at those fantastic traffic dinners. Wow, I didn't know that. So the traffic people got their own dinner from the auto mm-hmm. show, and it was kind of a it was what it was it was like. Hey, here's a thank you from the auto show for talking about autos. Is it <laughs> yeah, like just ta- like traffic? I don't understand what the whole thing <laughs> yeah. was. I guess it's cars and traffic, traffic and car. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that makes sense. I will take your free meal. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Wow, I didn't know that. I you know, and by the way, I misspoke. I misspoke as a regular citizen i haven't gone to the auto show in 30 years but i broadcast i have broadcast from there so oh, um there in go. that time so because gn used to do um uh remotes from the mm-hmm. auto show and i appeared on a couple of shows and hosted a couple uh in that time so yes it's been so 30 years is just someone off the street going in mm-hmm. but probably i don't know 15 years since I've been to the okay. auto show, but just like sitting at a table and talking into a microphone while people walk by you and not pay attention, which is right. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. How do you feel about remotes as well? Did you, did you ever enjoy doing them? Um, I never really got to do, um, I maybe, no, I honestly never got to do any, mm. um, because the only time there was a remote that I could have possibly been on, um, I wasn't chosen because I'm a lady. Because um, it was with, uh, what's that guy's name? I can't remember his stupid name. He was what on was in the you? afternoons. Ro? Yeah. Ro Khan. He was on that god-awful ABC show. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, he never chose um, either me or Judy to go. He would take the sports guy. I uh, yeah. Well, we did a lot of remotes at GN. We did a lot of remote. I did a lot of remotes, a lot of remotes uh, from the United Center for Hawks games. Um, uh, because I'm like, you know, I'm I'm a big Hawks fan, and everybody at GN knew that, and so I was always there, like either as a co-host or some. Because a lot of the a lot of the people mm-hmm. like Gar- Gary Meyer doesn't know shit about hockey. He was, you know, yeah. Nothing. I mean, he doesn't know shit about a lot of things, Gary Meyer. But especially hockey. And so whenever he hosted, it was always, like, embarrassing. Like, he would try to talk hockey and 
he wouldn't know shit. And so what they would do is like they would try to bring somebody in who actually knew hockey to mm-hmm. talk about hockey. And so that was one of the things like, like Cochran's a big hockey fan and he knows hockey. So Cochran and I used to do all the remotes. And then when Gary would do a remote, he wouldn't have anybody else on. Cause you know, he's Gary Meyer and he doesn't want anybody else on with him. Uh, especially <laughs> yeah. someone, especially someone who's funnier and smarter than he is. So he would never do that. Uh, like Gary, like, uh, Steve Dahl was, but anyway, um, so, um, so that was what, that's what they do. And, uh, and so, so I ended up doing a lot of remotes at the United Center, and I love doing the remotes at the United Center for Hawks games, because one, I'd get into the games for free, and then they'd feed us. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd see a free hockey game, a Hawks game. I'd be in a box, and I'd eat for free, and and I would do the remotes. But it's always funny when you do remotes, as Marilyn as I mentioned, because most people just go, "Yeah, whatever," and they walk by. <laughs> You're, you're sitting at the table with headphones on, and like right now, I'm sitting at a table with headphones on in my in my in my dining room. Mm-hmm. And, and it is a similar setup to that you would have at a radio remote, except there's nobody walking through my dining room looking at me going, who's this asshole, and walking by. That's essentially, right. like, <laughs> that's essentially what it is. You know, it's like, who are these two jagoffs? I'm just trying to get some beer and go see a hockey game. What was, you know, so. But any, but it would change. You know, like sometimes we'd get really cool guests. Like they'd bring in ambassadors mm-hmm. or Hawks players and stuff like that. That's when the crowds would come around. But if right. we didn't have any... If we didn't have any guests and it was just two idiots from WGN just talking with their Hawks jerseys on, people would walk up and go, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, and we'd give away bumper stickers and shit. Whatever was, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like, what, are you, what are you selling over here? What's going on? Yeah. What do you got? And it's, that's the, you're right. You're absolutely right. Well, that's what they want. They want free shit. You know, like if you've got free shit, they'll visit. Yeah. You know? uh, so, like, that's the funny thing. It's like whatever you got in the prize closet at the radio station, you know that. You've worked at radio stations where there's like a table where there's just a stack of shit that nobody wants. Then you bring that along to remotes. Here, here's a bunch of crap that nobody wants. It's free. Take it. And then people will come up and take it no matter how stupid. You know, bumper stickers from 1978. Oh, yeah. You know, here's a, here's a bumper sticker. It. Here's a bumper sticker with the radio logo that we no longer have. Here, just take it. Of course, we're cleaning out the office. Here, take this shit. It's free. Here's uh, these T-shirts from this uh, movie yeah. that no one saw. You yeah, want it? Yeah, yeah. By the way, it's, these T-shirts are extra small. That's the size. So here, take yeah. it. <laughs> So yeah, the wonderful world of uh, radio remotes. I used to, you know, when when the when the when the Cubs were broadcast on GN, I did remotes. We would set up the uh, the mobile studio across the street where the where the McDonald's used to be at Addison and Clark, and mm-hmm. that's where GN would do remotes. And I did remotes from there as well. Uh, and again, people would just walk by and what's that? And then they would leave. They would look for free stuff. Right. They would just go. <laughs> what is there anything free here? No, no. Okay, well then I don't care. All right, bye. Or on the radio right now, (laughs) or the yeah, or the opposite, or the opposite. Oh, I forgot about the opposite, Ezreal. You know what the opposite is? Oh yeah, they they just stand there and they know everything. Yeah, 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 they stand and look at you, (laughs) like the like the like the geeks, the radio geeks who just show up and just kind of like stand there and go "Uh for the entire show. Like there have been like if we're out there, if we're if we're doing a remote for three hours and it's three hours before the game, they're out there just kind of standing there going "Uh during you know. So you got the two extremes. You got the people who don't give a shit who want free bumper stickers from 1980, or you have the creepy guys who stand there for three hours uh, with shopping bags. They usually have shopping bags. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the radio business, Esmeralda. Don't you miss it? Mm, Every day. Mm. (laughs) I actually do. I actually do miss the radio business. I mean, I I I I get a piece of it on Fridays when I go down to do the Steve Cochran show. 
on uh, on WLS uh, AM 890, uh, 5.30 AM to 9 AM, the best morning drive show in Chicago. And I'm on there on Fridays to review movies and hang out with those guys. So I get to go into the, I, I get to, to get a feel of it because sometimes bosses are there and sometimes, you know, more people are starting to show up because people mm-hmm. are going back to the office a little bit. So there are more people and there are, and because the studios are all, you know, like in the, where WLS is, they also have the studios for WLS FM and Q101. Um, they're all like right down the hall from each other. So I get to see a bunch of different radio studios and, you know, news rooms and stuff. And so I get the feel of it. And then people start talking and you hear people talking and I'm like, God, I, rem- I remember these conversations and I'm glad I don't have them anymore. You know, people bitch, <laughs> people bitching about the sales department or people going, why, why wasn't this promoted? Or, you know, yeah. engineers going, oh my God, this didn't happen and blah, blah, blah. And producers on the phone trying to line up. Because I'll sit in the producer's room before I go in to do my segments. Mm-hmm. And I'll, you know, and it hasn't changed. The conversations are exactly the same. You could, and you know this, Esmeralda, you could carbon copy a conversation that's happening in a producer's and engineering room from, you know, 2008, and it's the same conversation they're having right now. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. So so I get a little piece of it every every other Friday or so when I go in. So that's fun. Um, And and I did do, I did uh, do a remote with them at, uh, uh, at Manny's Delicatessen. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the South Loop, um, and that was the it was the day of the runoff between uh, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, and mm-hmm. so they did like a, a remote from Manny's, and uh, and then everything that happens at a remote, I remember all that. It all happened again, so it doesn't go away <laughs> immediately. It you know it's like PTSD. It comes right back. You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Anyway, all right. Well, uh, so the auto show. So as just a, as a regular patron, I've not been there in thirty years, and I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see what it's like. Um, just to walk in and go. We're taking the train from from Julie's place, uh, the metro, mm-hmm. into into um, McCormick Place. We don't have to worry about parking or any of that kind of stuff. But and I haven't, you know, I haven't driven legally in twenty something years, so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> what the new cars are like. So, I don't know. So I auto show. To, I mean, you can drive some too. Yeah, I know you I can mean, get behind a the wheel. line for it, but you know. Yeah, that, yeah, I think so. I know you can get behind the wheel and pretend. That's always fun. You can go. Right. Well, they have. I mean, the last time I went, they had like some tiny. It was a very small course, but it was a course for driving. I mean, you were driving like three miles an hour or something, but right, um, right. <laughs> you were still getting to drive a car, which is pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll gun it and go 30 and just drive through popcorn stands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'll get you. That'll get you some attention. I'll get some attention. Damn it. They'll notice me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I'll hear a lot of this. God damn it, Nick. That's right. (laughs) And a lot of this. Ah! You think you can get me to a hospital? I think I broke my ass. That's right. Okay. Anyway, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, to the auto show, and um, yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun, and uh, you know, we'll have the we'll have the Super Bowl on, just kind of like in the background as noise. So, anyway, it's interesting because you know there is the 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 latest season of uh, True Detective is on now, the one with Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. um, and it's phenomenal. By the way, it's so good and so creepy, and it's great. Um, and because of the Super Bowl, normally new episodes drop on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but they because of the Super Bowl, it's going to drop on Friday. So it's dropping early. Oh, this interesting! Because they don't want to compete with the Super Bowl, so we'll get to mm-hmm. watch 
True Detective on Friday instead of Sunday. Um, but so they don't want to compete. So so the True Detective, if you're a True Detective fan, it uh, the new episode will drop two days earlier because of uh, because I think because of Taylor Swift, not because of Super Bowl. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Taylor right. Swift doesn't. <laughs> Taylor oh, Swift. of course. <laughs> It's Taylor Swift's fault that True uh, True Detective is going to be on Friday. That's according to the right wing people. It's all a conspiracy. So anyway, all right. So the auto show and uh, the Super Bowl, kind of a, a crazy weekend, and bad movies galore out there. Oof. Just catch up on the old stuff. Have you seen any of the stuff that's uh, that's been nominated for awards? Are you catching up on any of it? Do you care about that at all? Do you try to see um, stuff that's nominated? We wanted to try and go see something in the theater but it just hasn't worked out mm-hmm. um we were trying to go see poor things because we well we you know there's not that much left that's still in the theater yeah um, well here's the thing that amc does just so you know um i think it is a couple of weeks before the oscars are march 10th if i'm if i'm not mistaken so for i think two weeks or a week and a half before the Oscars. So like at the end of February or near the end of February, AMC shows all 10 of the nominated movies at some point in their theaters. So they, they bring them back specifically for people who want to see them. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say this, Esmeralda, if you guys are interested um, this week, poor things is going to be playing at the music box in 35 millimeter. So they're going to be showing it on film. Um, oh, at 35 okay. and uh, and poor things is great i mean you will love the movie Esmeralda. you will love it, it you will, uh, absolutely i know colin will absolutely go apeshit over it there's no question about it he'll love it uh and it's one of the, my favorite it was my third favorite movie of the year um and i've seen mm-hmm. it four times four times and i just i can't explain how much i love it but if you want to see it like really cool on film i'm going to go back and check it out again it's in 35 at the music box starting this week so it's playing oh, okay. there but Keep an eye on AMC theaters um, because I think they've, I don't know if they've announced it. If I, I think if you just like Google AMC Oscar movies, mm-hmm. um, a lot of AMC theaters will be showing those movies at different times. And sometimes you can get a ticket. Like if you want to do a marathon, I know you won't want to do this, but a lot of people sometimes do like make a day of it. See four movies in one day. If you want to see all of them, because a lot of people are completists, right. yeah. you know, and they want to see all the movies beforehand so that they can do well at their pool at their Oscar party. Right. You know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, check it out. AMC does show all those movies. And I know that I think they're bringing a bunch like, you know, like some of the other ones are already on, you know, some of them are made for, uh, some of them are streaming. Like if you got Netflix, you can watch Maestro. I wouldn't recommend it cause it's a piece of shit, but you can watch Maestro. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon, I believe is on Apple. Um, so a lot of them are streaming, but, um, AMC at some point will announce and I, maybe they did already that they do every year they show all. And also if you're interested in seeing, uh, the shorts, the animated shorts, and the and the live action shorts, those get mm. shown. It those get shown as well. So, oh, so, okay. Yeah, do a little googly, and uh, and I think you'll be able to go out. And, but definitely see poor things, Esmeralda. Definitely, you will. I think you'll. I think you'll love that movie. And and Emma Stone is unbelievable. I mean, really, unbelievable. So anyway, so uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, leading up to the incredible, the incredible Academy Awards. Of which there will be no surprises. By the way, Esmeralda, there will be no surprises. <laughs> oh, okay, um, great. None. Fantastic. None. If you're going to go to an Oscar <laughs> party and they do have like a pool that you can, you know, wager in and bet and all that stuff, your ballot should only every every category the uh, should just read Oppenheimer. That's it. Okay. 
It's just if you have if you're if you want uh, you know uh, clues as to you know what you'll do be- what you'll do best on if you bet, pretty much bet on Oppenheimer for every fucking category, <laughs> because yeah. un- 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 unfortunately and absolutely undeservedly, it's going to win every uh, every Oscar that night. So anyway, there, there you go. All right, hey, uh, I got uh, an email here mm-hmm. um, uh, from someone, but first we have a magic megaphone. And you know the oh, Magic Megaphone, Yes. Magic Megaphone is this megaphone that I have sitting next to me right now that I can speak into or play uh, audio into. And uh, you make a request, as that means you, the people who are listening right now. Uh, you can leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948 or an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what to say into it or play into it, and it goes out into the ether. And so here is Dave from Rockford with one, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I will play it. And then, uh, as I normally do, I'll play the, 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 the megaphone message, and then we will uh, get the explanation from Dave from Rockford, who made the request. So here it is. Attention. Attention. No skating. Keep off. Thin ice. Attention. So. Attention. Yeah. No skating. Keep off. Thin ice. So... That's uh, that's Attention. what. He, yeah. Okay. All right. I guess. Okay. So that. <laughs> so that is pretty obvious, right? I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would, unless it's some sort of meaning for something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Keep off. He, he wanted the Dave wanted to hear this because it brought back memories of his youth. Um, mm-hmm. oh. He says, Nick, I love your show. I've been listening to you for many, many years. I have a magic megaphone message for you that I would enjoy. I grew up on the southwest side of Chicago, about two blocks away from Marquette Park. Since the pond there was shallow, um, they, used, they used to caution people not to ice skate on it through use of a recording on a megaphone. Oh. The recording played over and over and over and over all winter long. And since we lived close, I could hear it from my house. (laughs) It brings back lots of memories from my youth. And here's what I remember. And then he says, pause between lines. And and this is what he used to hear. Attention. Mm -hmm. Attention. Mm -hmm. No skating. Keep off. Thin ice. Right. Attention. Okay, so could you imagine, Esmeralda, that's, hearing that? Yeah, that's gotta that's gotta get a little grating, I would think. <laughs> you would grating think, right? on the nerves, <laughs> <laughs> like over and over and over again. You, you you hear that? Yeah, that would be crazy. That would be. Crazy. And you can't complain about it because it's what? a public it's a... service in it. You know, <laughs> that's it's like exactly, it's, it's yeah. gonna help people. It's saving it's lives. Like, it's saving it's lives. Saving can hear it all the time it's like yeah well we're trying to not let people yeah. die it's your fault you live so goddamn close so it's funny because you know where i live esmeralda uh, and every once in a while and not every once in a while but kind of frequently in the middle of the night i will hear doors closing Ding dong. oh doors closing <laughs> yeah 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 or next stop addison you know like i'll hear that because mm-hmm. <laughs> i live right near the blue line and i find it comforting I don't know. I like it. I like in the middle of the night, I like hearing doors closing every once in a while. Yeah, okay. well, that guy, the the voice of the CTA, he has a good voice. He does, it's right? very soothing. Right? Yeah, they've added new stuff, too. Uh, because they've added, uh, you know, um, uh, 
any if we have cameras everywhere, that's new. We have cameras mm-hmm. on, you know, that that whole the whole announcement about don't do it, don't fuck around with anybody on the on the bus or the train because you're being filmed. Yeah. That's a new one. And I don't know if if, do you, if you ride the metro with regularity. I know you do when you go out to Juliet sometimes. Um, but they don't have a, a good voice. It's kind of like a robot woman voice on the metro. Um. Yeah. I can't really. I don't really it, think about it's, it. It it it's clearly not as kind of soothing and cool as the dude who does CTA. Like he's got a cool right. voice. This is like I, you know, uh, coming up, making stops at this, at fifty fourth and fifty seventh. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's a very robotic voice. So, uh, so now because I know I'm sure you've read about this and saw this that they're having like some very fucking huge issues with the Ventra cards. Like there's a lot of problems, especially on Metra with Ventra apps. The not the cards, the app. The app is like really fucking up apparently. Because they raised oh. prices, Metro raised their prices in Feb- at the beginning of February, and um, so now I guess the Metro. You know, I don't use the app. I have, I've, I just load up on the card when I use when I use the, the Metro card when I go on the Metro or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but appa- apparently the Metro app and the Venture app are all screwed up. So they had to record an apology. Oh, no, so it sounds like a robot is apologizing to you, Esmeralda. <laughs> so, oh Lord! It's like. We apologize for all the problems with the Metra card. We are working to fix it. You know, like, <laughs> you know, it's like Robbie the robot. Thanks, is robot apologizing. lady. Yeah, thank you, thank robot you, lady. I guess. Uh, anyway. Uh, and then a quick email before we uh, taste test um, some stuff from Poland. We have uh, a very, I'm really looking forward to this, by the way, Osmeralda, because this is chocolate covered gingerbread with a marzipan filling. Yeah, it's a... Uh... And it's not seasonal, I don't think. Oh, no, it's, you can get it year-round. <laughs> like, you know, gingerbread's not a, a right. thing that we always get, you know, it's seasonal. Yeah, around yeah here, you right? walk in here, it's like, let's go get a Kit Kat. But there, it's like, let's go get the non-seasonal gingerbread marzipan cookie. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll taste test that from Poland. Thank you to uh, Universal Yums. But first, here's another email, uh, Esmeralda. This is from Bob. It mm. says, hi, I love listening to you guys. Uh, we were talking about um, celebrities that everybody loves. Yes, yes. Um, and so this is in response to that. So uh, so I am on the fence with Robin Williams because Robin Williams was uh, mentioned as a celebrity that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the one guy on the planet <laughs> that, that can't stand Robin Williams. I'm one of the only people on the planet that never liked the fucking guy. But anyway, it says, often he seemed like a fourth-generation carbon copy of Jonathan Winters, all the mannerisms and the speedy delivery, but nothing original, and rarely any true inspiration. Uh, a circus mirror version of a genius. Okay. So mm. Bob agrees with me then. Uh, <laughs> Two the f- people on the planet. <laughs> the first eight I agreed with, but I don't think I could pick Brendan Fraser or Paul Rudd out of a lineup. Um, um, Paul I, R- I mean, yeah, Paul Rudd's a little basic looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brendan but con- Fraser, um, I mean, he kind of looks like just a dude now. Yeah. Like a regular old guy. But I feel like before he was, he okay. looked very leading man. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, look, man. In Encino Man? Oh, my God. He's beautiful. Yeah. Like he looks, it, yeah, he looked, and now he just looks like a guy. And in The Mummy and <laughs> in, like and in Airheads? He's a, he, now he's just, he's gained a little weight. He's puffed out. He's middle-aged yeah. now. He's, he's a regular but dude. But he looks he like a, like, he just looks like a guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
But he says he couldn't pick out Brendan Fraser or Paul Rudd from a lineup. I don't go to the movies but two or three times a year, and when I do, I usually gravitate towards the likes of Yorgos Lanthimos, Guy Madden, and David Lynch. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> that explains a lot. So I'm not necessarily yeah. coming, coming across those guys too much. Now, back to Steve Irwin, who was considered a celebrity that everybody loved. Mm-hmm. Which I, You and mm-hmm. I both were like, really? Did everybody love Steve Irwin? I mean, yeah, I guess. So here's what Bob says. I'm are you sure ready? People for... found him annoying, though. You know. Well, are you ready? Here's what Bob says. Are you ready, Ezra? <laughs> yeah. He was a class A buffoon idiot, a colossal buffoon, Ooh. a buffoon wow. among buffoons, a buffoon's buffoon. His death was not a tragedy; it was a foregone conclusion. When his daughter was a little girl, she was as creepy as any child in history. I've worked with children all my life, dedicated my life to work on behalf of and with children. But I would have been utterly unable to be in the same room with her, Bob. So not only did he not Damn. like Steve Irwin, he doesn't like her daughter very much. Either. That is gracious. <laughs> she seems lovely. I, like I've seen her now as an adult, and like yeah. they they have that that uh, it's not a zoo, but whatever you call it, the when it's not a zoo, it's like nicer or something. A conservatory. But they have some kind of. Yeah, they have something like that. Yeah. And I think both she and her and the son yeah. work there. And the mom, I guess. Yeah, and the son um, is now the son is now a host of stuff. He does what his dad Yeah, he does. is now Steve. He's the Yeah, he Steve is. He bring, he brings out weird animals to talk shows, which is, you know, like yeah. you know, that's And he that's looks he, he kind of I mean, he's like goofy, I believe. Yep. And he's got the well, obviously he's going to have the Australian accent and uh and he's right. like Right. So, but he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's Steve like, Irwin. Oi, I'll tell you, Jimmy. I can't do an Australian accent. Oi, that's yeah, not even that's not Australian, is it? I don't even. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't do Australian. But he's uh, he's Steve Irwin. Yeah, new St- he's the new Steve Irwin. Yeah, so he's I the don't guy, know. If... He's the guy who also hate him. <laughs> he's the guy who brings out he brings out animals, throws them on desks, and freaks out Jimmy Fallon. That's what he does. Now. Right. That's essentially what. Right. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, Bob doesn't like uh, Steve Irwin or his family. So there you go. Yeah. Whew. That's rough. Wow. Okay, you ready to try some chocolate marzipan gingerbread? Sure. Here's what the, how they describe it. It's three layers of Polish decadence. This yum is more than just a spice treat. It's a testament to Polish perseverance. Uh, Kopernik, the company that bakes this cake, has been in operation since 1763 and has had its fair share of ups and downs over the past 250 years. During World War II, their factory was destroyed, and the majority of their gingerbread machines were shipped to Germany for use as military parts. Oh, wow. After the war, the communist government controlled and owned the company until 1982 when it was finally given back to the private owners. Uh, though you probably wouldn't have liked this chocolate-coated gingerbread without the triumphant backstory, you probably still would like it. You can now feel a little more inspired with every bite. So there you go, a little backstory. Mm. So you ready to try it? Yeah. It's right. giant, by it the way. It is huge. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is <laughs> thick. This is thick and big. <laughs> Which, yeah. I don't want to – that sounds a little – Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, are we ready to take a bite into the chocolate marzipan gingerbread? Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Oh. Mmm. It's much softer than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's cake. It's cake is right. Mmm, man. Yeah. Mmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. Oh, I like it. Mmm. I, I kind of wish it had some sort of... Maybe like um, okay. Well, what's marzipan? Isn't that like crushed up nuts or something? Mm-hmm. Is it sugar. 
Yeah, it doesn't have. You know what? I, I think what you what you want is a little more texture, like um, maybe a crunch. Yeah, a crunch. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it is soft. It is crunch. soft. It so is marzipan is um, it's almond meal, honey, and sugar. Mm-hmm. But I would like an actual text like i would like an actual almond in here i understand i got you you want a little crunch that makes sense i can see mm-hmm. that boy it tastes good though especially if you like it's a nice combination that ginger really is on the back end it's delicious the gingerbread is delicious wow all right all right well i'm 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 a thumbs up on this i mean it's fine okay <laughs> okay all right. I, I like, like more, a little i like more it more crunch, than you do but yeah I, like I don't think I would buy. I don't think I would buy this. Okay. If you want to Google it, it's but, Copernic. Mm-hmm. But if offered, I'd probably have like a bite. You there know you what go. I mean? Like if someone's okay. like, it would it would be nice with some coffee or tea. It would. Yeah. A little the, pastry, like the that. Com- the company, by the way, if you're interested in getting this, the chocolate marzipan gingerbread bar is Copernic or Copernic, and that's K O P E R N I K. So if you want to check it out, and again, if you want to check out some of these really cool snacks, uh, check out Universal Yums. So, all right, we got two more of those snacks that we'll do on the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some gingerbread sticks and a uh, espresso flavored dark chocolate bar, all yeah. from Poland. There's a gingerbread again, huh? Yeah, they like the gingerbread, right? Yeah, out of okay. season. That's right. That's right. <laughs> out of season. All right. On the next episode, Dan Feinberg comes back, uh, as he often does, oh, two week, every nice. two weeks, to talk TV. Lots of TV talk. And um, he writes for The Hollywood Reporter, so we're going to do some TV talk. Uh, Esmeralda, you rule the planet. Thank you for everything and uh, oh, being on the podcast. Nell Minow, what a lovely woman. Um, it was great to talk to her and great to talk to you. And uh, thank you for checking us out. Be a sponsor. Uh, buy some time on the podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Leave a voicemail message or a megaphone message. Anything you want to say. 773-417-6948. Email us. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the weirdness. Uh, please take the time to share, rate, and review us on every platform. Thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits for making it such a pleasure to do this podcast. It's the Nick D Podcast, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radio Misfits.